Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, welcome to the mixtape. I am your host, Casey Richter, and every week we have a new mixtape. Sometimes it's a genre, sometimes it's a location. And we are always joined by someone who has some sort of experience or um, maybe emotional connection to the mixtape that week. This week, we are doing a mixtape on horn rock, or as I'm lovingly calling it, Cornucopia, and I am joined by Rick Alloway. Hi, Rick. Hey, Casey. Tell me your full title in all its glory. Oh, golly. My official university title is Associate Professor of Journalism, but I always add to that the fact that I am the general manager for this August radio station, 90.3 KRNU, and our companion web stream, KRNU2. And how long have you been doing all of these things? I am in my 34th year here at the university, although, as with yourself, I am a product of this place as an undergraduate and uh, also did my graduate work here, so... My connection with the radio station actually goes back to 1973, which is kind of scary. Well, that's fantastic and a perfect little segue into the kind of music we're talking about because the early 70s were really it for horn rock, weren't they? Yep. Uh, beginning in the mid-60s into the early 70s, a lot of the groups kind of formed in the mid-60s, usually from some other groups. And many of them formed because they had been sidemen in other projects and said, we like playing together. Let's just go off and do our own thing and started their own groups in the late 60s. But yeah, you're right that in terms of the album releases, early 70s through probably the end of the 70s was kind of the the key for the kinds of groups we're talking about. But horn sections obviously go back forever. Well, and what's interesting, I think, is that horns were always kind of treated as this counterpart to other bands. So you might want to try with a horn section on it or the horn section might be an accompaniment to you but really in the late 60s early 70s that became the model and i um, think it's, it's you can tell that by the fact that the, the horn players went from being on the back tier yeah, right. to being up front yep. you know they were suddenly the the leaders of the group that's that's who you came to hear as much as or even in some cases more than the lead vocalist which mm-hmm. was a huge swing horn rock uh, most often associated with things like jazz and funk but then also associated with ska and i just briefly want to talk about without going full music teacher on people about horns and brass and uh, what those instruments really are. So we're talking about trumpets, tubas, French horns, and trombones are brass instruments. But in horn rock, you hear a lot of saxophone, which technically is a woodwind, but it's like, it's a woodwind in reed and a brass in attitude, right? Right. That's a great way to look at it. Like that nice little crossover. We love the saxophone. It's very sexy. (laughs) So we are going to lead off the mixtape this week with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Why? Well, that's, I think, partly because it was one of the first bands that I picked up on when I was in eighth grade, which goes back to 1968. And I first heard of them because of their very first album they released, uh, which was called Child is Father to the Man. And it was the only album that used the founder of the group, Al Cooper, as uh, it's the only album on which he appears. But several of the horn section guys, the drummer, the keyboard player, Uh, all stuck around for several more albums. But that one had a distinctly horn-centered sound, but it also had a real interesting sense of humor. There were some really humorous tracks on it. What's weird to me now is to go back and look at 
how old those guys were when, when they started this group, because I saw them on their first American tour, uh, went and had a front row center ticket at Pershing Auditorium yes. to see them Christmas time in 1968. And I thought these guys were all like in their 40s or 50s. No, they were all pretty much the age of our college students here, 22 to about 25, mm -hmm. and were astonishingly good musicians. Some of these bands do have these incredible musicians because they got their career starts as session musicians. So they really honed their craft right. before they formed these bands, which is not the way most bands, especially if you're looking at things like punk, form, right? The bass player in BS&T came from Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention. Right. So these guys all had, Al Cooper had, had played with uh, Hendrix. Yep, and he was a terrific, um, he, he was a great studio producer. So, like, he he added the string section to You Can't Always Get What You Want from the Rolling Stones <laughs> and the horn section to that. Sure. They would, people would send him tracks and say, dress it up, do whatever you think you want to do. And he would, he had just an incredible vision and could add things to it. And finally, I think, just decided... I just have my own gig. Yeah. Blood, Sweat, and Tears went on to have another lead singer, David Clayton Thomas, after Al Cooper left in 68. I think the deal was they were kind of just looking for a stronger vocalist. He basically got kicked out of his own band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, politely. you were good, but it was, it, he went full Dixie Chicks, right. got kicked out for a better vocalist, and that's okay. David Clayton Thomas is fantastic. So we're going to play two songs from Blood, Sweat, and Tears. The first, I Love You More Than You'll Ever Know, and that's kind of on that first run with Al Cooper. And then Lucretia McEvil, with David Clayton Thomas. So here are two tracks from Blood, Sweat, and Tears on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. If I ever leave you You can say I told you so And if I ever hurt you, baby Myself as well. Is that in a way for a man to carry on? You think he wants his little loved one gone? I love you, baby, more than you'll ever know. Stop! 
passing blood But I could be everything that you demand I could be president of General Motors, baby Or just a tiny little grain of sand Set in a way for a man to carry on Think it won't
KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. The mixtape this week is Horn Rock with my guest Rick Alloway. And don't forget, you can get the mixtape, the Spotify playlist that we make for you on our Twitter, and that's at the mixtape KRNU. So you can experience all the wonderment of these uh, these horn-based sounds on your own. We are talking about Horn Rock this week, and I, I find this particular style of music so fascinating because it was not a thing that I cared about until a little bit later in life until I started sort of appreciating the musicianship behind it. But as I get older, you start to appreciate really complex arrangements. And uh, I think all of these bands, specifically like Blood, Sweat and Tears, who we just played, really exemplify that. Another band that does as well is Chicago. So Let's talk about Chicago. Well, we're gradually moving west because BS&T was based on the East Coast and in, in Upper New England area. Chicago started in Chicago, Chicago. as the Chicago it's Transit Authority. not just a authority. clever name. Right. <laughs> and as I understand it, they actually had to give up the name. They had, took off Transit Authority to avoid copyright infringement with the actual Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Transit, Transit Authority. authority. <laughs> uh, so people were expecting to go catch the, uh, the L train and were listening to music instead. <laughs> They had also, as you mentioned before, been singing and playing with other groups. And here again was an opportunity for horns to move from the back bleachers or as we would look at multi-level audio recording a day from the seventh or eighth track down <laughs> to maybe the second or third right. in importance. And so the initial three horn players of the group are still with the group uh, these four or five decades later mm -hmm. and still touring. They've had uh, some turnover in some other positions, most notably their lead guitar player uh, accidentally shot and killed himself a couple mm -hmm. of albums into their career. 
and uh, Peter Cetera, who was their one of their lead singers, left for a solo career on his own. And I know he was trying to do kind of like a Phil Collins thing, mm-hmm. right? When Phil yep. Collins was doing his 80s solo work, Genesis was still a thing. It just went on the back burner, and he was sort of able to do both. Chicago, on the other hand, Peter Cetera was like, hey, can we do that Phil Collins thing? And Chicago was like, no, we cannot. <laughs> if you're going to go solo and do the Karate Kid song... <laughs> then we're out. Right. We're going to keep being Chicago. You go be Peter Cetera. So. Yeah, it didn't seem to hurt them too much. And they've uh, now sold over 40 million units. So they're, they're, they're hanging in there okay. <laughs> all right. So we're going to play Beginnings. Why did you choose that track? Well, first of all, it's the first song I ever heard, uh, notably called Beginnings. It was mm-hmm. the first song on their first album. And it sort of gave you an idea of everything the band was going to sound like down the line. Starts off with the guitar parts with the late Terry Kath. Uh, who was self-taught, as I understand, and just a masterful guitar player. Um, and then the horns layer in, but then really take off and, and soar to their own heights with the solos. And then at the end, it becomes sort of this free-form percussion kind of thing that goes on for a long time. And it just was infectious. It was, it's a longer track, but it's one that once you heard it, you want to hear it again. Yeah. All right, let's do that one. Chicago, It's Beginnings on 90.3 KRNU, The Mixtape.
90.3 KRNU. Welcome back to the mixtape. Our mixtape this week is Horn Rock. So all of these bands, mostly from the 60s and 70s, uh, with all of these kind of horn section stuff. It's pretty great. And Rick Alloway is joining us today to talk about all these bands. Hey, Hey. we're still kind of in the Chicago area Mm -hmm. for this next group called the Ides of March. And there are a lot of horn bands that were... From a, a commercial success standpoint, kind of one-hit wonders. Yeah, Ides of March is certainly bordering on that, um, but they they were around for quite a while. Although clearly the the one the, the song we're going to play from uh, them, Vehicle, it's my favorite, which was released in 1970, was their by far their biggest hit of all time. Now Ides of March, a lot of people haven't heard of them because, like you said, kind of a one-hit wonder thing, at least in the um, sort of annals of the top 40 and things like that. But it was one of the earliest bands that started doing this before Chicago, before all of these other bands, because they started in like 65? 64. 64. Yep, you're close. Yep. So they're, they're the kind of this cornerstone band and I it reminds me of another band that we hardly ever talk about when we talk about this kind of music, but we're super integral and that's the Buckinghams. Oh. So Kind of a drag. All right. So all of these bands, just like every genre, set the stage for the big bands to come. Set the stage for your Earth, Wind, and Fires and your Chicago's because bands like Ides of March were doing this. Right. Um, I love the band, or I love the the song vehicle so much. I love that it's actually about a person named Karen. <laughs> Who was always asking, uh, what was the lead singer of Ides of March's name? I can't remember now. Uh, uh, probably got it written down here somewhere. Jim, it's but Jim something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, she was always asking him for a ride. <laughs> Very relatable, right? He has a cool car, always asking him for a ride. Her name's Karen Vehicle. There you go. <laughs> Jim Paterik's the guy you're thinking of. Yes, um, that's it. Personal favorite on this mixtape this week. This is Vehicle. It's Ides of March on 90.3 KRNU, the mixtape. <laughs> inside my car I got pictures, got candy I'm a lovable man And I can take you to the nearest star I'm your vehicle, baby I'll take you anywhere you wanna go I'm your vehicle, woman But now I'm sure you know That I love you How you need you yeah. I want you got to have you tried Great God in heaven, you know
KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. And this week's mixtape is about horn rock with myself, Casey, and my guest, Rick Alloway. Don't forget, you can get your mixtape Spotify playlist on our Twitter handle at the mixtape KRNU. So you can check out these songs later if you didn't catch the show live. So we are talking about horn rock today, and I want to kind of move west to take a look at a few of these bands um, from the 60s and 70s that played all of this horn-based music, but with a West Coast California feel. Let's talk about Sly and the Family Stone. Well, it's not just a geographic shift, but also a musical shift, because uh, while certainly some of the groups that were jazz-based, like uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Mm. uh, had some sort of occasional funk feel to it, the West Coast groups really added more of the soul and funk fusion to it. And Sly and the Family Stone, certainly an innovator along that line, uh, founded back in 1966. Again, they were sort of at the at the very beginnings of that. Uh, they tended to have a little more of the traditional brass section feel rather than the horn players being out front. But you can't imagine a song like Dance to the Music uh, or I'm Everyday People mm-hmm. or any of those sorts of things. Thank you for letting me be myself. The, the horns are such an integral part of all of that. And maybe one of the reasons they were set back is because Sly was Sly. Yeah. I mean, being out there doing his thing, right. he had this whole aura about him. He's He was very... Very Prince before Prince. Right. right? Multi-instrumentalist. He was kind of all over the place as a front man. And so at a certain point, isn't the band just like, yeah, man, right. do and it. All over the place, not only just in performance, but also later in his career, it was just, you know, he didn't know if he was going to show up. And there yep. were a lot of other problems that sort of hastened the demise of the popularity, at least for booking the band, because you weren't sure you were actually going to get a show. Mm-hmm. But a fabulous performer, great uh, multi-instrumentalist, as you say, and so charismatic. Yeah, I mean, a Prince, much like Jag, or any of those sort of folks that just command your attention when they're on stage. But I can't imagine his vocals without the horn section. You're exactly right. And there's a there's a jubilance or like a joy yeah, a to the type of horn rock that these guys made. Um, Sly and the Family Stone had lots of crazy costumes, and they sort of had this, um, again, very Prince-like, but gospel of love and peace and equality. And I know that notably, they're the first American band to have like a multi-ethnic and multi-gender band to kind of just be like, I don't know. We're everyday people, you right? You can hear them talking about it. Cynthia and Jerry. They get mentioned in the lyrics to one of the songs. And nicely enough, from our standpoint, uh, Sly was also a DJ at one time. Mm-hmm. He worked in radio. So we're going to play Sly and the Family Stone. Here is Dance to the Music. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. Dance to the music. 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 D
90.3 KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. We just had some fantastic West Coast horn rock from Sly and the Family Stone and Tower of Power. Soul Vaccination was the song that you just heard. Tower of Power, um, they were from Oakland, so mm-hmm. also a California band. Anything notable about Tower of Power for you? I mean, they are their horn section has been used by so many other people over the years. If you had the Tower of Power horns on your album, that was the West Coast version of like having the Muscle Shoals uh, group or somebody from Detroit or the Memphis Horns. I mean, they, they just had a, a, an identity of them in and of themselves separate from the band. Uh, they had a great rhythm section, but it was clearly the horns that, that stood out. And they still have a couple of the founding guys still playing with the group all these years later. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a sign of real stability. It is pretty fantastic how many of these bands do still play out. Um, and actually a nice pivot to where we're going next, because these guys are probably the most, um, they're one of the most iconic bands of this sort of horn rock era, but they also are top of mind because they show up a lot more often than all these other folks do on award shows and things like that. That's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Maurice White and his, his colleagues got together, including some other family members, uh, got together to form what I think has been one of the most influential horn bands. Again, a great mixture of horn arrangements and great vocals and terrific earworm lyrics mm-hmm. that uh, now my other, my alternate identity on the radio station is my acapella show that I do. And I must have two dozen Earth, Wind & Fire covers by acapella bands because they love the vocal arrangements so much. So sure. this band really wedded that great 
uh, vocal capability and vocal arrangements and harmonies with a terrific brass section underlying it. And they, they tended to share the stage, the back and forth between the, the horns and the and uh, the lead singers. So again, just electrifying to watch. They certainly would have been on my bucket list to see when they were in their prime. Mm. Uh, now they, they're still playing, but with a bunch of replacements now because of, uh, sadly, a couple of folks are no longer with us. But uh, yeah, fabulous group. I love that the name before Earth, Wind & Fire was the Salty Pepper. Yep. That's a great band name. Yep, yep. I like Earth, Wind & Fire. I get the astrological aspects of it, but the Salty Peppers... That's a great name. It really is. Uh, I don't know. That it, me out. I don't know if you if TSP works as well as EWF <laughs> when you're abbreviating not. it, but uh, <laughs> no. But still, it's they they are one of the most enduring of the groups, and have had probably the, at least some of the most uh, charted songs of right. any of the groups we're talking about. Is it possible to hear September without singing? So I mean, it it's not right. No. I mean, babies know that. Oh, Everybody knows it. Right. And the, actually, the real controversy over that song was what they were actually singing in that verse. And if you go back and look at it, it is actually just those syllables. <laughs> People thought they, it, was, it was sort of like Louie Louie. They were trying to figure out, okay, what are the hidden lyrics in this? There aren't any. It's, there just, aren't it's any. just syllables. They're just making an awesome sound right. that everyone loves. What more it's, do you need? It's now in your head all day. Right. <laughs> all right. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Here's Shining Star. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
life can truly be. Shining star for you to see what your life can truly be. KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. Once a week, we have a mixtape for you Sundays at noon. You can check it out on 90.3 KRNU, and you can also listen to it online, krnu.unl.edu. And you can find our Spotify playlist on Twitter at the mixtape KRNU. So this week, we are talking to Rick Alloway, who was gracious enough to join us to talk about Chase. Yep, Chase, which was named after the founder of the group, a guy named Bill Chase, who was a veteran jazz trumpeter and uh, got together with some other friends who were also virtuoso trumpet players and jazz uh, players and formed a group in 1970, so sort of a latecomer to the the rise of the horn rock uh, genre, but wanted to step out from behind being just somebody else's jazz trumpet player Mm -hmm. and start his own group. So uh, it was not a group that had real lengthy success. 
but uh, they had a, a, a self-titled first album from which the song Get It On was released. And they were nominated for Best New Artist Grammy. I think they, they lost to someone notable. I want to say it was like uh, maybe Carole King or Joni yeah, Mitchell, somebody that like line. that. Yep. But So they did lose, but they were nominated. They were recognized very early on as being a fantastic group in this genre. But you're right, it was cut cut short. Tragically so. They had they were working on an album in the mid-70s, and um, they were en route to a performance and were killed in a plane crash. A very Buddy Holly-ish kind mm-hmm. of end to thing. It also killed some other members of the band and other folks that were on the plane as well. And so uh, the group really only around for about four years before they had to just call it quits because of the death of their leader. Another band that sort of came a little late to the party but made a big bang was Average White Band. And these guys, not from the Chicago area, unlike most of the people on the list today, they are Scottish. A little farther east than that. <laughs> and probably on my, my chart partially because my whole family is, is from Scotland. Yeah. And so to hear uh, a band that was my from... My whole family my, is Average and White. Well, there you go. Well, I, that went without saying if you looked at me. But uh, I was so thrilled to hear somebody from my... And I'm an adopted kid, but it was my... And my my adoptive parents' native home in Scotland, and so I was thrilled to hear somebody from there that also incorporated the great horns. And again, just, just earworm licks and and a lot of fun times. They performed in at least in the early going days in kilts and really just hammed up the Scottish part of it to the hilt. So. <laughs> They have a lot of iconic melodies and riffs, and they're sampled by a ton of people. So even if you don't know, you know the average white band, you have probably heard things by the average white band. Um, The Beastie Boys samples them on Paul's Boutique, which is basically an album just full of samples. Let's do average white band, pick up the pieces, and we are going to hear some Lighthouse as well coming up here on 90.3 KRNU, the mixtape. We'll 
welcome back to the mixtape Lighthouse. That was a one fine morning. Those guys are from Toronto, right? Yep. Formed back in 1968, another of sort of the one-hit wonder kinds of groups in terms of popular success. They did have uh, more than one album, a lot of jazz, traditional jazz um, references and overtones and what they did. Skip Prokop, who was their drummer and lead vocalist, was the guy that formed the group. Terrific musician, good singer, good arranger, kind of a prickly temperament, and that got him in trouble a couple of times with some uh, performances they did where live on stage he would call out the people that had produced the show because they they weren't being friendly to union musicians or the things uh. along there. They'd had their set list cut short after they'd rehearsed and, and really crafted an entire set list. So he was thought of as being not necessarily an easy guy to deal with from a promoter's standpoint, but uh, certainly from a musician's standpoint, just lit things up. We have put together a fantastic mixtape for you. It is available um, on Spotify, so you can find it going to Twitter, at the mixtape KRNU, and you can find the Spotify playlist. And there, are, you know, when you and I were thinking about putting the show together, there were so many other groups that we couldn't even get to. Groups like uh, Ten Wheel Drive. There was an all women's group from New York City called ISIS. There's a lot of terrific horn rock bands. It's a challenging out there. time to be called ISIS, isn't it? <laughs> But, no. you know, in the early 70s, who knew? For but sure. I, but I think a tribute to this is how a lot of this music, if you're talking about a favorite, a lot of these music uh, tracks hold up still today. I always think that there's some, like a nice, if there's someone listening who maybe likes some jam band stuff, that they, they might find some of those similar elements in these long-form horn rock songs. Because the arrangements are so complex and so well thought out, yep. there is just some connection in my mind to somebody who really likes a band like Fish, even though they they are not sonically the same but it seems like they have a a soul in common and and to that i would add the group loggins and messino i had on my original list they are not a brass horn band but they were woodwinds and saxophones but flutes and oboes and all kinds of interesting stuff but to your point some six and seven minute anthems on some of their albums that definitely had jam band kind of feel to them Mm -hmm. so um, maybe we'll add some of those tracks that we didn't get a chance to play onto the spotify playlist so people can enjoy that again you can check that out on twitter the mixtape krnu you and we will see you next week on the mixtape. Interrupting all programs.